Yeah. Turn to your neighbor. Tell them they look. They look good. They look good. Uh, yeah, tell them they look good. You look good. Isn't God glorious? Isn't God just awesome? What an awesome, awesome place. What an awesome God we serve. What an awesome God we serve. If you have a gift, a tithe, an offering, you can just place it in the in the box over there. We'll be making the checks out from now on to covenant of praise. I also I'm gonna be closing we had an email address, Potter's House, Coral Springs dot dot org dot gmail I guess we had a YouTube channel hooked up to that so there are a lot of videos on that channel is the Potter's House Coral Spring now all these videos also exist in Facebook in Facebook all we had to do was change our name but in YouTube we have to get a whole new channel so in order to shut that down all the videos that are on YouTube that were Potter's House videos will disappear. So I'm going to give you guys a couple weeks. The only difference between the Facebook videos and the YouTube videos is some of the YouTube videos are in high definition. So if there's in ones there, you know that your favorites or you want to just take a look at the Potter's House Coral Springs YouTube channel and see if there's any videos you want to save yourself. You've got a couple weeks to do it and then they're going to disappear. But there's like I said, they're all there on Facebook, so they're not going anywhere. This morning, we're going to talk about God. Amen. He says, I am who I am. Amen. Now, if you remember, in Exodus chapter 3, Moses had an encounter with God. And the encounter with God was through a burning bush. And the burning bush spoke to Moses. And Moses is getting direction that he's the one that God has chosen to go down and lead the people of Israel out of slavery. And they've been in slavery in bondage with Egypt for 400 years. I mean, there are several generations. There's nobody there that I know of or that I've ever read in scripture that was there from the beginning. But they've been in bondage for 400 years, and God says, it's time to lead them out into the land of milk and honey. And he tells Moses, this is, you're the one. Just like God has spoken to each and every one of you in this room at one time and another and called you to do something. He said, you're the chosen one. You're the one I want to do this. Whether it's say a prayer for somebody, give somebody a word of encouragement, whatever it is, the Holy Spirit spoke to you and told you to do something. Well, God spoke to Moses and told him, this is what you're going to do. So we pick up the story in Exodus 3.13. And it says, but Moses protested. If I go to the people, he says, of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. They will ask me, what is his name? 
then what should I tell them? And God replied to Moses and said, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. Say, I am has sent me to you. So what do we learn? We learn that God is saying he is himself. He does not become what we believe him to be. I am who I am. We are on safe ground only when we know what kind of God he is and adjust our entire holy concept to what God is, not to what God we make to believe or what we think God should be. As soon as we start to think of God in our own terms, we begin to go down the road of error. We begin to go down the road of deception. You know what I'm talking about when you say, oh, God will accept this. God said, God's all right with this. That's not what scripture says. That's not what God says. But we tend to make God into what we want God to be. And God is telling Moses here, I'm not whatever you want me to be. I am who I am. So we need to consider, as Christians today, we need to consider this without shaking our heads, without clicking our tongues at those that are outside the circles. I mean, there are people that have ideas of who God is everywhere we go. Your concept of God may be different than my concept of God. Where you believe God is accepting, I may not. Or you may not believe what I accept. God is believing, or God is. But God says, I am who I am. Amen. He's telling us he was there in the beginning. He's not changing. The culture may change, the world may change, we may change, but God does not change. Amen. The prophet Isaiah wrote, and you all are familiar with the scripture in chapter 55 of Isaiah, when he says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So how do we get this relationship with God? How do we begin to understand what God is? Well, he's, he's given us scripture. He's given us his holy word. But he's also given us a Holy Spirit. And we need the help of the Holy Spirit today. We need to be in touch with the Holy Spirit because that's how we're going to understand who God is. That's how we're going to know what God is. I mean, he sends messages all the time. He sends them to our enemies. He sends them to us. He sends them everywhere. But who receives them? Who believes they're absolutely true? We have to understand that God's concept of what goes on is his. And we have to adjust to him. He's not like us. And he will not do what's comfortable or convenient for us. Just because, you know, we say, oh God, it would be so much easier if we would just do this. 
I mean, we have a fallen nature to begin with. We're born with it. We're born with a fallen nature, so our our belief system is already fractured. Our relationship with God is already fractured. It's already a little bit broken. But he sent Jesus to redeem us and to begin to reestablish the right relationship with him. So we have to understand what he reveals. He reveals himself through his word. He reveals himself through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is only there to guide us, to protect us. If God is protecting us and guiding us, you know, our flesh desires many things. And we may be desiring them. We may be desiring a relationship with someone. We may be wanting a better job. We may be chasing money. Who knows what it is? But we don't seem to get it because God says, that's just going to destroy you. The only hope that we have of any clear and helpful thinking about God and any accurate and useful knowledge about him is to begin with his foundation, that he is who he is. And we need to adjust our entire holy concept to what God is. God's name is who he is. It is what he is. And as we learn about God in this relationship, in his name, we know he's our healer. We know he's our provider. We know he's our champion. We know he gets us through. We know he's the king of kings. We know he's the Lord of lords. We know that he will sustain us. But just like he declared to Moses, he declares to you, I am who I am. Therefore, the highest point of evil is to assume that God will change. I mean, that's just of the enemy getting into your head and telling you, oh, God will accept that. God's okay with that. God wants you to do this. God said yeah, you can do that, and you know he can. You already know in your heart and in your mind because you have that kind of relationship with God that some of the things that you want to do God's not going to accept. But unlike your friends, your co-workers, your spouse, or whatever, who you can hide things from, can't hide anything from God. He knows every thought you have, every day, all day. He knows where you are, every day, all day. You can do nothing out of his sight. So we have to do what is acceptable. We can't change God. I am who I am. Numbers 23, 18 or 19 says, God is not man, so he does not love. God is not human, so he does not change his mind. He has never spoken and failed to act. He has ever promised and not carried it through. What's he telling us? Man changes his mind. 
We all know that. We've all changed our mind on, on things. We've probably all lied about things from time to time. We've all said, hey, I'll do this and failed to act. We've all promised to do something. Yeah, I'll be there Saturday to help you move. Saturday morning, you got a real bad back. But we've all promised things and not carried it out. But God has never promised us anything that he has not done. He promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And he hasn't. He's always with us. That's because of who he is. It's because of what he is. He is bound by righteousness and justice. And we only try. We try as hard as we can sometimes to be in and live in the righteousness of God and have the justice of God and, and live and, and move in the image of God. That because of our nature, sometimes we just fall short. We just fall short. And we have to learn as we fall short to forgive one another to change. Scripture tells us if we humble ourselves, God will hear from heaven. So many people at times just can't do that. He's bound by who he is to never waver, to never falter. He cannot be less than perfectly holy. He cannot be less than his virtue is holiness. He cannot be anything other than absolutely perfect because he is God. Isaiah 6.3 says, they were calling out to each other, talking about the angels, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's army. The whole earth is filled with his glory. We see in Revelation 4.8, each of these living beings has six wings, and with their wings they are covered all their eyes, inside and out, day and night, night and day. All they do is say, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The one who always is and is still there to he is, he was, he will be. He is always there. I mean, every day, every moment, all they do is say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. You know, we have to begin to get those kind of thoughts in our head. Holy is the Lord. We need to constantly just have that, that looping in our, in our subconscious. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the more we keep repeating that in our subconscious, the more that begins to develop in who we are. It's so much easier for us to understand just who this God is. God is holy. God is holiness. God is righteousness. God is justice. Out of the holiness of God springs the righteousness and the justice. If God is any less perfect than righteousness, he cannot be holy. 
And we face unrighteousness. We face injustice all the time. This world is, is made up of it. I mean, you have, that have worked, you that have lived a life, there's times you've been treated very unjustly by maybe a co-worker, a friend, a spy, somebody. You've just been, somebody's just had a knife in your back. And it feels like at times they just twist it. And no matter what you do, you're still treated with this injustice. But God's not like that. And he ensures us that through his righteousness, through his justice, we know that no matter what happens here, no matter what happens on this earth, we have a heavenly reward. Because God is there for us. If you remember Job, and you've all read the book of Job, I'm sure, and you've all heard different stories. In Job 19, starting at verse 25, it says, But as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and he will stand on this earth at last. And after my body has decayed, Yet in my body, I will see God. I will see him for myself. Yes, I will see him with my own eyes. And I am overwhelmed at that thought. I mean, here's Job, you know, covered with boils. He's lost his family, his children, everything. And yet he says, I know my Redeemer lives. I know who my God is, and I know I will see him. You all know that? You all realize you're going to see God one day? You're going to be face to face with God? Why would he make such a bold statement? I mean, he's covered with this. He's grieving. He's covered with boils and everything else. But Job understood the righteousness and the justice of God. He understood that. He knew that his Redeemer would live. He understood that God is who I am. I am who I am. I do not change. I'm always the same. And there's no doubt that God's going to provide salvation. What does it say in Scripture? All that believe in him. Just put your faith in Jesus Christ. Trust in the Lord. And you will be all his. I mean, as we look around and we see what's going on in the culture, and we look at the world view, I mean, they're just pushing God out of everywhere. But there tends to be a movement now to bring God's name back in everything. People are beginning to realize that without God, we have no hope. I mean, they're looking at what's going on in this country, and they're saying, oh, no, we can't have this. But it all started when we got rid of God. The downfall was years ago. It began when I was a child. but we must create it for ourselves. God's not going to send anybody to hell 
but he's going to give everybody the opportunity to come to heaven. It's going to be your choice whether you go. There's no doubt in my mind, there should be no doubt in your mind, that God has prepared a way of salvation for each and every one of us. He has made a home for each and every one of us in heaven. He has built us a mansion. I mean, man himself, us, ourselves, the way we are, the way we live, the culture that we have, we don't deserve a relationship with God. I mean, we, we, without the blood of Jesus that covered our sins, we have no hope for that. We have no chance of that. But God made a way. He says, it doesn't matter. I forgive you of your sins if you truly repent. And I will remember them no more. So God, if you truly have a repentant heart, if you're not holding bitterness towards someone, if you're not living in sin, if you're pursuing his righteousness, his holiness, God is seeing you. He's lifting you up. He's rejoicing. The angels in heaven are singing about it. God's love, his mercy all stems from his goodness. He made a way to preserve us in righteousness. He made a way to uphold his justice by redeeming us. The Bible makes it clear that man is responsible for every sin he's committed. And man will be held accountable. The scripture says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And there is no righteous one, not even one. But the idea of reclamation, the idea of redemption, there is nothing in our flesh to reclaim. Yet God's economy, we are precious to him. He created each and every one of us to worship with him, to fellowship with him. I mean, think about that for just a brief moment. God created you to fellowship with him. The creator of the entire universe created you to fellowship with him. Now think how you fellowship with one another. At least how you did it before cell phones came out. You talked to one another. You did things with one another. This is what God is saying. This is why he created you, to have that kind of relationship with him. We don't merit redemption. But yet God, in his love for us, in his mercy, through his righteousness, through his justice, Redeemed us. Redeemed each and every one of us. It was determined in the divine council before the foundation of the world that this would be so. 
don't think that God didn't know for one minute what was going to be happening. On April 23rd, at 11.53, he knew. He knows exactly who would be here. He knows exactly what you'd be doing while you're here. He knows exactly what you're thinking as you hear his word proclaimed. He knows exactly how you feel. He knows exactly how you feel towards him. But he wants each and every one of you to know he loves you. He loved you so much that his son shed blood for you. There is so much in scripture that we can draw down from and establish and, and begin to learn about who God really is, who this I am is, and the fact that none of his attributes ever change. I mean, listen to Psalm 89, verse 34. No, I will not break my covenant. I will not take back a single word I said. I have sworn an oath to David, in my holiness I cannot lie. His destiny shall go on forever. His kingdom will endure as the sun. Nothing is going to stop God from fulfilling his purpose. You're either in it or you're not. And at times we struggle with that. In no way. Do I want to come across like I'm trying to put God in a box? Because he lives far beyond anything I can imagine, anything I can conceive. And to me, he will always be I am. God revealed himself to scripture through his Holy Spirit. He says himself that without any human help or addiction, addition. He is who he is. He doesn't need us. We need him. We need God. He is who he is. He is all that he assures us he will be. Eternally, that once we have appropriated ourselves by faith, the faith in him, we will begin to see. Can you imagine when you get your glorified body you're going to actually see and be exactly the way God is, the way he has created you to be. You'll be in his presence through the shed blood of Christ, through the resurrection of Jesus. And by his divine character and attributes, his eternal words, his power, he will preserve us to himself. Romans 8, verse 29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, he, who he predestined, he also called, and who he called, he also justified, and who he justified, he also glorified. He's talking about you. He has called each and every one of you. He has justified you. You have made righteous in him, and he is glorifying you. He is taking you from glory to glory. Amen. 
If you're one of those, according to Romans 8, you are also glorified. Glorified. That's past tense. We need to live the way God has directed us to live. We need to quit relying on ourselves and start relying on God for everything. Because God is who he is. And he will supply all our needs. Everything we need, everything we have, God has for us. You may say to yourself, I don't look glorified. I don't feel glorified. That's because you look with the eyes of the flesh. You look at one another with eyes of the flesh. You see one another with eyes of the flesh. The important thing is it's not your assessment that matters. It's not what you think that matters. God sees you totally different than you see yourselves. He sees you the way he created you to be. He sees you the way he wants you to be. And he declares you glorified. So if he declares you glorified, we need to start looking at ourselves in that manner. We need to start seeing ourselves with spiritual eyes. We need to begin to see the spiritualness of it, of our brothers and of our sisters, and stop looking at the fleshly things of our brothers and sisters. Because if we continue to look at the flesh, we can always find fault with one another. We can always find a reason to disgrace or not like or do whatever to our brother and sister. But if we look at each other with spiritual eyes, if we begin to look at each other as the Holy Spirit sees us, as God sees us, and we begin to see what God sees in each individual, and we are all different, but God sees things in each and every one of you that I guarantee the person sitting next to you does not see. He does. One day you're going to wake up. You're going to open your eyes. You're going to be staring into the face of Jesus. You're going to be face to face with Christ. For some of you, you hope that's several years from now. But the time is coming. Each and every one of us are going to look face to face at Jesus. I mean, I'd love to see Jesus come sit in the front row of this church. And just sit down. I'd easily give him the microphone and let him go with it. But it's because of who God is. The fact that God never changes. That we have this constant thing that we can rely on. And we can trust that, that God sees us so much differently than we see each other. Dixon, come on up. We see each other 
with these eyes of flesh and we need to stop that. We need to start looking at our brothers and sisters the way God looks at them. Because that's who we are. And as more and more people begin to come into this church, we need to receive them the way God would receive them. And not the way we would receive them in the flesh. Because it's all about Jesus. In the flesh, we can hurt one another. But in the spirit, we never would. So we need to love one another. We need to look at one another the way God looks at us. Because he is what he, who he is. I am who I am. Let's all stand. future in the glory of God is already here. We just need to walk in it. Remember Jesus says I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. And I am the vine. is I am who I am. All of us need to get closer to the Lord. All of us need to change and start to look at one another with spiritual eyes. Now if you need prayer this morning for any reason or you have something you just want to surrender to Christ, the altars are open. Please don't carry anything home. But let just release to God whatever it is you need to release. God is an awesome God. He's a very loving God. He's a very caring God. We need to surrender. We need to surrender ourselves to the Lord. Jesus, yes, Lord. You are who you are. You are the great I am, and I just want to continue, continue, Lord, to, to reach out to you. Help me to look at my neighbors with spiritual eyes. Help me to look at one another with the eyes that God sees us. For God sees us glorified. God sees us wonderful. God sees us sinless and perfect in his sight. Let us begin to look at one another in those ways. Let us begin to look at one another in the eyes of the Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.